The Ohio State Buckeyes earned their 11th win of the 2023 college football season over the Minnesota Golden Gophers in a dominating 37-3 win. For two seasons in a row now, Ohio State has started off the year with 11 straight wins and 8 straight wins in Big Ten Conference play. However, there is one game, the game, the final regular season game, that matters more than every other game combined on Ohio State's schedule. And the same goes for the other participant in the game, the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan has also racked off 11 straight wins and 8 straight wins in Big Ten Conference play for two seasons in a row. And for the second year in a row, the game will be an undefeated top four matchup that will determine the Big Ten East champion, likely the Big Ten champion, and potentially the national championship. So buckle up, it's rivalry week, and along with Ohio State's performance against Minnesota, we will be talking about the game. And a question that I have for all of you is based off of Ohio State's dominant performance against Minnesota and Michigan escaping with a win in College Park against Maryland, is Ohio State better than Michigan? Comment your thoughts down below, and welcome back, fellow football fanatics. Most of you who are subscribed to my channel are either Ohio State or Michigan fans, so this week is going to be fun and hopefully full of a lot of new subscriber gains, views, watch hours, engagement, comments. I'm all here for it. So expect content every day relating to the game. And if you want to see all that content and join the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you can join College Football with Sam and get notified when we upload new content daily. Also, like this video, share this channel around so that we can reach our goal of 20,000 subscribers by the end of the college football season, and comment your reaction and analysis to this game down in the comments section below. Lastly, if you want to support the channel and gain some extra bonus content, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the link in my pinned comment. In my pinned comment and description, you can also check out Ohio State, Michigan, or other Big Ten-flavored t-shirts with the College Football with Sam logo in your school colors if you want to represent the channel and the school that you're a fan of. Thank you very much for listening and participating. I really appreciate the Big Ten football and college football community. And I appreciate the fact that Ohio State and Michigan are matching up as undefeateds like I predicted in the preseason. Not all of my preseason predictions are right every year. For example, I thought Minnesota was going to be a top 25 caliber team, and now they are fighting for bowl eligibility. Their defense looks like absolute dog water, and Ethan Kaliak-Manis is Ethan Kaliak-Manis. A 37-3 win the week before a game of biblical proportions, like Ohio State versus Michigan, is impressive. Ohio State basically performed to my expectations. They were slower in the first half, and then they kicked it all into gear through a few turnovers and dominant rushing performances in the second half. Michigan, by comparison, totally flew my own prediction in my face, and as a Michigan fan, my heart was racing 
from about halftime onward. And from J.J. McCarthy's forced interception to close out the second half onward, I was furious. You should have been there with me. But it is what it is. So the energy surrounding Michigan and Ohio State has changed entering the game. Really, for the previous 10 teams that Michigan and Ohio State have played, and you compare their performances, the Buckeyes and Wolverines side-by-side, really in their first 10 games, the Wolverines on average looked as if they were the superior football team compared to Ohio State. And it wasn't just by a slim margin either. I'd argue that Michigan looked like a significantly better team in their first 10 games compared to Ohio State. Whether it is Penn State, whether it's Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan State, heck, even comparing their games against Minnesota, Michigan has scored more points, Michigan has allowed similar yardage totals, Michigan has looked like the superior team, Michigan has allowed less points, and they've been the more efficient team, the more physical team, in some cases I'd argue the more athletic team. But we've seen this before, where Ohio State played the part of the more efficient, superior, physical, although that might be up for debate, and athletic team in 2021, and minus physicality in 2022. And Michigan still won the game. So everything's on the table this week. I think these teams are close in terms of matchup advantages, close in terms of talent. Michigan has home field advantage, but I'm nervous. I'm excited. I imagine all of you are. Let me know down below what you think again. Is Ohio State better than Michigan? It certainly seems that that's now the sentiment. Ohio State passed Michigan in the AP and coaches poll. Ohio State currently, according to Action Network, these numbers are very early. I imagine they will fluctuate. 87% of public bets are on Ohio State to cover a four-point spread that's in favor of the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan's favored by four. They're minus 175 money line. Ohio State's plus 145 money line, but that has moved drastically down. Just one week ago, Ohio State was at plus 188 money line. So public sentiment, Vegas sentiment, it seems like Ohio State is peaking. It seems like they are trending upward at the right time. Michigan, meanwhile, whether you think it's because Harbaugh has been suspended and the drama surrounding Michigan's cheating scandal whether Michigan is finally playing strings of real competition several weeks in a row, and maybe they're being worn down. Whatever it is, Michigan isn't trending up for sure. It seems like they are plateauing or trending down slightly. And Ohio State's performance against Minnesota, I think, is a game where there's still much to be desired from Ohio State in terms of how they utilize their talent. McCord struggled to complete over 60% of his passes. Really, he did not play a great game. He went 20 of 30 for 212 yards and two touchdowns, but he had a few passes that were ill-advised. Some could have been picked off. But Minnesota's defense is, look, not a good unit. 
Igbuka came out and had 83 receiving yards on five receptions. And Travion Henderson is a phenomenal player. And Ohio State's offensive line, especially on the ground game, I think looked good. So there are things to still have caution about, to still have concerns with, but there are other signs of optimism. Ohio State defensively was able to get pressure. They were able to shut out the Golden Gophers until the fourth quarter, which was essentially garbage time. And it's the week before the game. And this has been a week where, in the case of Michigan this week, in the case of Michigan and Ohio State last year, where Maryland played Ohio State close, and in Illinois, almost said Indiana, Illinois played Michigan close in... 2021, Michigan and Ohio State dominated, but that's a rarity. In 2018, Indiana played Michigan close before they went into Columbus, and Maryland played Ohio State close in 2018. They were a dropped two-point conversion away from winning that game. And in 2019, Ohio State had some errors against Penn State, and Michigan, while they dominated Indiana in 2019, They also had some off-kilter moments. So the week before the game isn't necessarily a week where the Buckeyes or the Wolverines typically perform at peak efficiency. I thought that these teams were so good and in some cases so invulnerable in their own way that they wouldn't look in any way sluggish outside of the norm against their competition. For Ohio State, I was right about that. For Michigan, I was wrong. But we have to take from that what we can. Travion Henderson was my player of the game. He could be the Big Ten's best running back from what we've seen in this game against Michigan State. Wisconsin, from some flashes that we saw from him earlier in the season before he was precautionarily held out for health reasons. He had 15 rushing attempts, 146 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. And Ohio State's rushing attack has improved in the previous few weeks. Henderson has busted long run after long run, and Ohio State right now is rushing for 145.5 yards per game. That's tied for 86th nationally. I will say that those numbers are, of course, weighed down due to the weeks where Travion Henderson was not in-game, not healthy. But nonetheless, the rushing attack is an area that Ohio State still needs to improve on, and it's encouraging that they are improving there week after week. Henderson is averaging well over six yards per carry this season. It's fairly obvious that he is healthier than he was last year. He has 794 rushing yards on the season, 10 rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and he has 118 carries, almost a carbon copy of 2021 statistics where at the end of the season he had 1,248 rushing yards on 183 carries and 15 rushing touchdowns. Ohio State has played 11 games so far. They played 13 in 2021 and Henderson's on track to where even if Ohio State only plays two more games he can realistically break a thousand yards because he's been rushing for close to or around 100 yards per game, and he could match 15 touchdowns from 2021. He looks exactly like his 2021 self with a little bit more power and maturity. 
And that's an encouraging sign because 2021 Ohio State, I think, had a better offensive line than this year's Ohio State team did. They also had a much better quarterback, a deeper wide receiver room, and overall just a better offense. Henderson, I think, has had to carry a bigger load from this offense compared to previous seasons, whether he was healthy or not, and it's encouraging to see that he's doing well. He's 5'10", 212 pounds. This season, he also has 210 receiving yards on 16 receptions. He's averaging 13.1 yards per reception. Just a great running back, and he is 100% right now. The staff, I think, made a wise decision by holding him out for the length that they did to make sure that he was healthy because they didn't need him to beat Penn State. They didn't need Travion Henderson, in my mind, to win any game this season. But I think they need him. They need him in a big way, I think, to win the game. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe Ohio State can win the game despite Michigan having the better rushing attack, even though that's unlikely. But Michigan, I think we can say in this video, has the better offensive line, the much better offensive line, especially when it comes to run blocking. But Henderson's speed and elusiveness, acceleration, his ability to break away in space, which I don't think Corum or Edwards have to the same degree that Henderson does, at least when Henderson is healthy, can help compensate for some of that. So he's my player of the game. He also is likely going to be my player to watch for when I do my main preview and prediction segment for the game. He could be the Big Ten's best running back, I have friends who think that he is the best running back in the Big Ten right now, friends who are very knowledgeable about the sport. So it's totally believable for him to be the Big Ten's best running back. Two rushing touchdowns. He had a long run of 75 on the first play of the third quarter, and he had a nine-yard run in the first quarter. Henderson overall, breakaway, home run hitter type of running back, and he's somewhat consistent too. You take away those 75 rushing yards from his one long touchdown run, and you take away his nine-yard touchdown run that's taking 84 rushing yards away from Travion Henderson, he's still averaging over four yards per carry on the ground. So he's able to not just hit the home runs, but he's able to pick up extra rushing yards, churn through defenders, sometimes make something out of nothing, and not in a big way, but just instead of being tackled for a one-yard loss or only getting to the, the line of scrimmage, maybe gaining an extra two or three or four rushing yards. Dallin Hayden got time in this game with eight carries for 34 yards. Chip Trainum four carries for 25 yards. Evan Pryor had six carries. Ohio State on the day, sack adjusted, had 35 rushing attempts and 215 rushing yards, averaging 6.1 yards per attempt and they had two rushing touchdowns with long rushes of 75 from Henderson, 15 from Dallin Hayden, and 11 from Chip Trainum. Chip Trainum has faded a little bit into the back of our minds. I'm curious to see if in the game or in whether it's the Big Ten Championship game for Ohio State, the college football playoff, or a New Year's Six Bowl game, as I presume Trainum is returning for next season, with his remaining eligibility, I'm curious if, with some improvements on the offensive line, if 
the staff might consider using Trainum for some shorter games. Earlier this year, I thought he was the best running back for Ohio State, even when Henderson was healthy. But the offensive line has made some strides, and I think Henderson, with his talent, the staff, in keeping him healthy, has allowed him to continue to grow. And he has that higher ceiling, and we knew this had that higher ceiling because of his talent compared to any Ohio State running back. And in fact, most Ohio State players on the roster in total he had a very high ceiling, and you're seeing that come through. He is peaking, the offensive line is peaking, and that's great. Ohio State needs to have a better rushing attack if they want to win the national championship and if they want to beat Michigan and if they want to win the Big Ten. Looking at the passing offense, and we'll talk about more of this when I specifically zone in on Ohio State toward the end of the video, we talk about winners last, saving the best for last. But before that, we have to talk about the bad and the ugly, this being Minnesota. The passing offense is a different story. We are seeing the same type of, whether it's inaccurate throws, whether it's being easily flustered under pressure, or the offensive line still looking suspect in pass block, but improving in run blocking on Ohio State's long 75-yard rush Henderson was in totally open space, and Ohio State, whether it was their tight ends, offensive linemen, receivers, blocked up Minnesota beautifully on that play. Minnesota only ran for 70 yards and 2.4 yards per carry, and Jordan Newbin only had 49 rushing yards. I thought that Minnesota would have a better performance on the ground, and only rushing for 2.4 yards per carry when Ohio State only sacks you twice— so sack adjusted, the total wouldn't have been that much different. It's a pretty poor performance by Minnesota. More importantly, that's a great performance by an Ohio State defense that at times has looked questionable against the run. Though, as I've said in previous videos, I think that's due to Jim Knowles calling a conservative game. He typically doesn't stack the box. He wants to prevent big plays on the outside in the rushing attack and also through the air, and that requires him to spread his defense and not keep it extremely compact, which if you do that, you can generate some big plays defensively, but you're also more likely to give up big plays defensively. Before we talk about Ohio State some more, I want to zoom in on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Number one, this is a bad, awful football team. This is Fleck's worst football team easily since the 2020 season. Perhaps it could be worse. The Gophers only had 159 total yards, only had 89 passing yards and less than 100 rushing yards. They had two turnovers. They had 10 first downs. They had 28 minutes and 38 seconds of possession, and seven of those minutes came on a 39-yard drive that ended in a Dragan Kesich 54-yard field goal. Kesich is a great kicker, and Minnesota under P.J. Fleck typically has been very porous at special teams. Kesich has made 22 field goals this season with a long of 54. He's 7 of 9 from 30 to 39 yards, 5 of 6 from 40 to 49 three of four from 50 plus, and he's perfect from 30 yards or less, 
including on extra points, where he's made 100% of his extra points. ESPN lists him as a senior. I don't know if he has COVID year eligibility, but I'm just going to assume that he is likely done after this season, as the number of players that have extra COVID eligibility are dwindling every season. He's a great kicker. The problem is the rest of Minnesota's football team, outside of Daniel Jackson, maybe some of their other receivers like Corey Crooms Jr. and Darius Taylor, who didn't play in this game, is Minnesota doesn't really have a lot of solid or good players. They have a few good or great players. Jack Henderson, Tyler Newbin, Jod Joyner, and then offensively, Corey Crooms, Daniel Jackson, Maybe Brevin Spanford, he's at a rough year this season, but he's improved in recent weeks, and in previous years he was a great tight end. And Darius Taylor's a great running back. And there are some offensive linemen, whether you say Quinn Carroll or Nathan Bowie or maybe others who are good. But Minnesota doesn't have the same depth and discipline and cohesion that they've had in previous seasons, and it's very very obvious. The defense overall is a complete and utter joke. The defense is a failure. Minnesota, over the previous few seasons, has had top 10 scoring defenses. This season, Minnesota allows 26.8 points per game. That's tied for 75th in terms of scoring defense. In their last three games to Illinois, Purdue, and Ohio State, Minnesota has allowed more points than the average that they allow. They allowed 27 to Illinois, 49 to Purdue, and 37 to Ohio State. In previous weeks, when they were 5-3 before going on an 0-3 run, much like the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Minnesota allowed 12 points to Michigan State, 10 to Iowa, 52 to Michigan, but Michigan or Ohio State have the best defense in the or best offense and defense, in fact, in the Big Ten. So I'm not going to hold the Michigan and Ohio State games against Minnesota. But 24 points allowed to Louisiana, 37 allowed to Northwestern, 31 allowed to North Carolina, 6 allowed to Eastern Michigan, and 10 allowed to Nebraska. This defense is horrible, and the offense isn't much better. A win over Wisconsin, consequentially, is a must. Because failing to reach a bowl game, even with this tough schedule, and even with the drop-off in returning production, would be a failure for P.J. Fleck. It would. And you know why I can say that? Because in retrospect, North Carolina, fraudulent. They lost to Clemson. They lost to Virginia. They lost in a shootout to Georgia Tech. That was a winnable game. Northwestern winnable game. 21-point lead in the fourth quarter, choked away. Illinois, winnable game. Minnesota settled for field goals, and if they converted those simply into touchdowns, they could have beaten Illinois. Purdue, winnable football game. Purdue and Minnesota have comparable talent, and Purdue right now is 3-8. and eight. They're out of bowl contention. Even if Minnesota loses to Wisconsin and Purdue wins whoever their Week 13 opponent is, Indiana. My bad, that's a, that's a rivalry game. Minnesota will still finish with the better record overall. Winnable game. And Wisconsin's a winnable game. 
Now, I'm not saying that Minnesota should have went 10-2, and two, only losing to Ohio State and Michigan. In retrospect, that would be unreasonable, and my preseason prediction that Minnesota would go 9-3 and three was probably unrealistic to a certain degree. But they could have picked up a win in one of the Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, and North Carolina games. One of those could have been converted into a win. They only lost to Northwestern by three points in overtime, and they lost to Illinois by one point in a home game where Minnesota led and controlled that game pretty handily for most 60 minutes. And you could also say that Minnesota could have lost to Iowa or should have lost to Iowa, depending on whether you think Cooper DeGene fair caught that punt or not. You could fairly argue that Minnesota should have lost to Nebraska because getting that many turnovers and converting a fourth and 10 in the red zone for a touchdown is uncharacteristic of Minnesota. And that's a fair argument too. But Minnesota has potential at offensive line. They have a deep running back room. They returned two good tight ends who have inexplicably fallen off this season. Ethan Kaliakmanis looks worse this season than he did last season, despite an improved, objectively, wide receiver core that's deeper, more athletic, and healthier. And the defense lost players. They lost Jordan Howden, for example. They lost Mariano Sori-Marin, who was a leader. And you can clearly see that some of those losses deeply affected Minnesota. But they returned some serious talent, too, and they worked the transfer portal, I think, in a good way. P.J. Fleck, he's not on the hot seat. Minnesota is Minnesota. He could have another subpar season next year, and he would still probably be safe. Minnesota was toward the bottom in returning production. I don't think anyone or very few people picked them to win the Big Ten West. But for me... And this is the case with Nebraska, and I'm going to make a video on this probably this week. That's a short video. Minnesota and Nebraska are teams that I have a blind spot for in one way or another. I have picked Minnesota to exceed their regular season record from a preseason standpoint for three years in a row. I thought they would be better than they ended up being in 21, 22, and now this season for three years in a row. I have overvalued how good of a team Minnesota actually was. And if Ohio State loses to Michigan this season, and it's in a bad fashion, a worse fashion than I predicted in the preseason, maybe you could say the same for Ohio State. But I, I picked Ohio State to be a top six, top four team over the past three seasons, and they fulfilled that. There were just some games that they didn't win, like their game against Michigan. I thought that Ohio State would lose to Minnesota and consequently lose a regular season game in 2021. So I'm not perfect in my predictions, and I don't expect myself to be. I'm happy that all four of my preseason playoff picks are a combined 44-0. So I think I might have nailed who the top four, top five, top six teams would be. I had Oregon in my preseason top 10, very late edition in the summer, but... In regards to Minnesota, and even in regards to Nebraska, there have been multiple seasons in a row where I have been too high on them. And I am going to have to reevaluate how I look at Minnesota and evaluate what went wrong with this team this season because they've just been off. It's weird. 
it, it really is weird how this defense has operated in comparison to the previous two seasons. They have the same coordinator. I know that they lost a lot of production, and that probably has something to do with it. But this far back of a step is stark to me, especially since Minnesota is a team that prides itself on having great depth. So a win over Wisconsin is a must to gain bowl eligibility. Minnesota has had Wisconsin's number in the past two seasons. They have not lost to Wisconsin since 2020, and they haven't lost to Wisconsin in their own stadium, TCF Bank Stadium, since 2019. So Minnesota does have a chance, and I wouldn't be shocked if they beat Wisconsin next week, but they need that win to get the extra bowl practices and potentially earn a winning 7-6 and six season, which would give them some momentum heading into a tougher 2024 schedule. For Ohio State, they ground Minnesota down to a pulp in the second half. They had four total touchdowns, 434 offensive yards. Here's some critiques and also many praises. A critique of mine is the offense needs to be fluid. Let me tell you this. Ohio State pounded Minnesota, and Michigan looked vulnerable against Maryland. But I can tell you this. Michigan looked better in the first half of their game than Ohio State did in the first half of their game. The difference is Ohio State finished strong in the second half. Michigan really starting with that final drive they had where they could have put points on the board before entering the half, and McCarthy threw that awful pick and nearly threw a pick the throw before. Ball doesn't lie, as the saying goes. Michigan, whether they took the foot off their gas, which I think is likely... Maryland also had a very inspired effort, and you could tell that from their first drive where they went down and kicked a field goal, and Michigan was off kilter for the whole day. But Ohio State finished strong, and Michigan escaped, albeit exploding briefly in the second quarter, and the defense more than compensating for some of their big plays allowed with two interceptions, a safety forced, and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. That's my critique of Ohio State, is this team, once again, is starting off slow, and their second-half performances, Ohio State's definitely a second-half team this season. I don't know if it's because they make good adjustments, or more likely, they just have so much talent compared to everyone else that they eventually wear them down. And unlike Penn State, who's one-dimensional, doesn't have an offense. Unlike Rutgers, who doesn't have a passing offense, and they don't have the same talent that Penn State does on defense, Michigan has a talented offense. They have experience. They have a talented defense. A defense that's number one in ESPN's efficiency. That's number one in points allowed per game. And Michigan and Ohio State right now practically have a pretty similar strength of schedule. So... That's my critique of the Buckeyes, and I'm going to be harder on Michigan in my reaction and analysis video because they played the worst game. But Ohio State didn't play a perfect game either, and no one did. Even Georgia. Georgia, in their win over Tennessee, was infuriating because they couldn't stop the run. The problem is, for Tennessee, Joe Milton is terrible, frankly. Georgia struggles to run the ball. They struggle to stop the run, and I think that if, whether it's Oregon or maybe 
Michigan gets their run game churning if they reach the playoff. Teams that could run the football, I think, could control Georgia, and they could determine what they wanted to do to Georgia. Georgia honestly looks like 2021-2022 Ohio State at times. And Ohio State fans know that if that type of team faces a physical team, that can end up very badly. But that's all to say, that's all to say that no team this year is really perfect. And that plays to Ohio State and Michigan's advantage. That also plays to their disadvantage. There's no 2001 Miami. Maybe Ohio State or Michigan can become that team, depending on how they perform throughout the rest of the season. But right now, even if you look at Bill Connolly's S&P+, this is a down year in college football. And I sort of just realized that to the degree that I believe now, today, looking at S&P Plus rankings, looking at the fact that Georgia has appeared to be the most impressive team in college football, along with maybe Oregon, in the past two weeks, from terms of, I would say, efficiency and just how explosive they look offensively, I think that Michigan has had the more impressive defensive performance over the past two weeks, including the Maryland game, than both Georgia and Oregon have had, but that's beside the point. Both of those teams have great offenses. And Georgia, look, to go back to my earlier point, they struggle against the run. They struggle to run the football unless they're facing a bad defense like Ole Miss. Something I have to praise about Ohio State is the fact that their defense looks like an NFL unit in the same way that Michigan, I think, is a better defense and has looked like the superior defense comparing to Oregon and Georgia's unit over the past two or three weeks. The same said for Ohio State. They held Minnesota to three points. They held Michigan State to three points. Ohio State held Penn State out of the end zone until the final few seconds of the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, Michigan gave up two touchdowns to Penn State. Two before the final minute and won well before the fourth quarter, in the second quarter. Ohio State allowed 16 points to Rutgers, but that was a very bend-but-don't-break game. And Ohio State's defensive weakness is their rushing defense, just like Michigan's is their passing defense. I mean, you watch Michigan, how they played Maryland, and even how they played Penn State. Penn State's offense put on a much better performance against Michigan, regardless of opponent. Just watching how Penn State played they put on a much better performance offensively against Michigan's defense than they did against Ohio State, where they quickly abandoned their identity, pivoted. Aller looked more inaccurate, probably because he was on the road and also because it was the first time that he played a legit defense that wasn't helpless, thanks Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. And... Even with some of the issues they've had at stopping the run at times, Michigan has had this with explosive plays in the past. Both teams, that's nitpicking. Ohio State shut down Minnesota's rushing attack. They were able to limit Nathan Carter in Michigan State. They were able to limit Braylon Allen in Wisconsin. They shut down completely Penn State's rushing attack. And for Michigan, who both Michigan and Ohio State run a 4 2 5. It's different. Michigan uses really an extra corner. Ohio State uses an extra safety, from my understanding. 
and Jim Knowles still likes to tweak sometimes with that jack position. Michigan, I think, still runs the slightly more traditional Big Ten defense, but both defensive coordinators, Jim Knowles and Jesse Minner, are elite at adapting, and you have to nitpick to find weaknesses in these defenses. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State's defense both gave up some big plays and got burned against Maryland. Michigan had the worst performance against the pass, Maryland's passing attack compared to Ohio State, but Ohio State's defense allowed Maryland to run all over them for a half. So you have to nitpick these two defenses. And for the Buckeyes, they look like an NFL unit. JT Tuimolau looks great, had a fumble recovery. He wanted to get to the end zone, and I think he had a sack in this game. Jack Sawyer had a sack, three and a half tackles for loss. Six total tackles. Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson Jr. had a half sack each. Cody Simon played a good game. Josh Proctor recorded another pass deflected. Denzel Burke, you want to know how good a corner is? You don't hear his name. You don't. You, You don't hear Denzel Burke's name in game. You never do. Because he's that good of a player. He's 6'1", 190 pounds. He's long, big, physical, athletic. He's eight pass deflections on the season, a pick, a forced fumble, and 14 total tackles. Great player. And there are many other great players on Ohio State's defense this season. Davison Igbenosan, Tyleek Williams, Michael Hall Jr. didn't play in this game, unfortunately. I think the staff is hoping that he will be healthy for the Michigan game, but even if he isn't, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Hiro Kanu, there are great defensive tackles that can substitute in for him. So depth, athleticism, physicality, bend but don't break, pouncing. If if you make a mistake against this defense, they will force a turnover. Look at Rutgers, where one hit jarred what could have been a completion into an incompletion and Jordan Hancock takes that pick back for six. That's an example of you make one mistake, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, this defense takes advantage. And that's what you have to love about Ohio State, is how good they are defensively. They look more like a Big Ten team compared to the previous two seasons, and that could and likely will bode better for their matchup against Michigan than the previous two years. The problem is, will it bode well for the national championship? And there are still some questions. Like, the defense looks much more like a Big Ten defense than in previous seasons, but the offensive line doesn't look like a Big Ten offensive line. For example, like 2022's offensive line. I even think 2021, especially in pass protection, had a better offensive line. So, you give in your take, based off of returning production, based off of what you have, that's really the moral of the story for Minnesota and Ohio State. Minnesota, last year in retrospect, was probably their chance with all of their returning production experience, and they couldn't get it done. For Ohio State, the jury is still out on them. Can they get it done this season on November 25th in Ann Arbor? Let me know down below. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman Patron supporters for the month of November. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted for being all American patron supporters in the month of November. 
And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being all conference Patreon members. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.